Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listeners, welcome to episode four of Screen Heroes, part of the Grid Talk Network from the Grid Daily. Uh, for those of you who have been paying attention, you know that we went through a little bit of a rebranding. We used to be the Grid, a sci-fi frontier. We are now the Grid Daily, so you can find us at griddaily.com. And today we are going to be talking about our top five hero moments, hero screen moments, from 2015. We're all going to go around the room and, and talk about what our top five list is. So I have, uh, there's there's five of us here tonight, so we'll just kind of go around the room and everyone can say hi and introduce themselves. I have my two hosts, Ray. Hi. And Ryan. Hello. And we have two new guests, two first-timers, two screen heroes. We have Ian. Hi. And we have Frank. Hello. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves at all? Frank, do you want to go? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I like sci-fi in general. A lot of you guys may have recognized me as that guy who looks like Dr. McCoy. Other than that, there's nothing much else to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're very superficial on this show, so that's perfect that you yeah. summed it up that Some way. Some people are a big fan of insincere humble, humbleness, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Frank's a great guy. He's a really good friend. I like that he's in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good luck following that up, Ian. Come on. Uh, Yeah, my name's Ian. Uh, I'm a cosplayer. I do lots of gender bending stuff. So if you see someone walking around who's normally a female character and who is a male, that's probably me. So that's that's who I am. All right. So now that we've all introduced ourselves, we're going to go around and we're each going to kind of do a roundtable and do our number five and number four and so forth. So. Ray, you're sitting next to me. Let's start with you and go clockwise. What is your number five for 2015? All right, so I want to say just right now, mine's not in any particular order. I'm just going to say the fifth thing. Um, Kingsman, the big church fight with Colin Farrell. That was totally my number five, too. So (laughs) He absolutely destroyed everybody in church. It's to a free bird, of all things. Right, it might have been the greatest. Scene I've seen all of this year in just movies. It was very well shot. It was very well choreographed. And who thought watching Love Actually in Mamma Mia that Colin Firth would be a badass? Like, is that not what they normally do in church? They don't fight like that? Is that <laughs> it's not... been a while. Okay, it's but... old. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen the fight scene, it's like, picture what would happen if there was a church of 70 people and one secret agent and they all wanted to kill everybody. 
equally. It is crazy. It is nuts. I mean, they, I love that movie so much. They're very creative. What I loved about that scene is the creative use of, uh, you know, like he takes the slide off his gun and stabs somebody in the throat with like the yeah. stab somebody with a crucifix. Uh, yeah, crucifix. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very creative use of environment, and I always yeah. appreciate that mm-hmm. in a fight scene. So I thought that was, and it was like you said, very well choreographed. Yes. It's not easy to choreograph that many extras in no. a fight, and they did it well. Oh, fantastic, so. yeah. It, that's an amazing scene. Yeah, and the CG wasn't in your face. There was some computer-generated stuff happening, but it was all it done pretty bad. well yeah. and didn't stand out. Yeah, it, it was. A, it's a really shining example of how awesome that movie really is. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so let's move on then to Ian. What is your number five? My number five would be the Arkham franchise coming to an end this year. With Arkham Knight? With Arkham Knight, yes. Uh, it was a great game franchise that I really, really loved from 2009 to 2015, uh, even though <clears throat> Arkham Origins wasn't the best one in the series, but it was... <laughs> well, it's a prequel. It was developed by somebody yeah. else, so, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be my, my big top five would be that and seeing it come to a close and having a very fitting end to the Dark Knights in that area. Any, any particular aspect to it? Uh, just everything. I mean, you know, they brought back Kevin Conroy for, you know, all three games. You know, Mark Hamill. Uh, that just, you know, hits my childhood. Yeah. You know, because from the animated series, obviously. But And this was the first game that I really saw on the PS4 that was, you know, a whole new-gen console. And it was mm. beautiful. It looked fantastic. So I would say it just everything about the writing, the plot points, the villains, how they developed Scarecrow to be the big bad in this one instead of having the Joker, mm-hmm. obviously. And, uh, yeah, just, it's Batman. And it's a video game, so it's, it's the <laughs> All right. perfect combination of both. Cool. Alright, so Ryan, you said your number five was the same as Ray's. Yeah, I have to substitute one of my lower ones, so that's okay. Alright, Because I have some subs. Uh, I'm going to say the, the team-up uh, in the CW Flash show with... Uh, Flash, um, Arrow in his Razal Arrow outfit and, uh, Firestorm at the end of season one when they're fighting reverse Flash. I thought that was a really great scene. Uh, I thought that, you know, the Avengers had some good moments in there where they showed the whole team. They did like the circle thing around the whole team, but there was something about the way they shot that one where they had Firestorm kind of light up and then they had Flash with like the lightning bolts in his eyes and they had Arrow like, you know, pulling back his bow. They made it look cool. They made it look cool, and and I just uh, that was that whole scene was really cool and yeah. creative use. And the only guy that doesn't have superpowers there was the guy that actually beat. I mean, obviously he had assistance, but he was the one that finished off Reverse Flash. I thought that was cool. Just the whole way they did that, I thought it was a really cool scene and uh, a really fitting end to a good season of television on that show. It was a fantastic ending to that season. I I love that crossover, and I'm a big Flash fan, so I kind of like that the big epic moments kind of focused more on the Flash side of things with Firestorm and, and all in reverse Flash. But yeah, that's a good one. I still have yet to see any Flash or Arrow. I'm a bad person. Yeah. Oh, man. You have I'm to. a bad, bad Who invited person. him on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, the prerequisite is you Spoiler have to watch all yeah. We just spoiled the entire season. first season of Flash for yeah. you. So. Um, Alright, Frank, you're number five. Uh, I'm about to say the Ant-Man film. It really surprised me. It's like I, it's another character I don't know hardly anything about. He's not an A-lister. He doesn't. He's not very powerful. And the premise of the character, okay, he goes really small. I mean, that's super lame to me. <laughs> I like it when a character is not very powerful, but he has a big presence. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the film was done really well. It was funny. It was great to watch. It was exciting. The main thing I was surprised by it. 
Yeah, it's amazing that like, for the second year in a row, the MCU was able to pull what seems like a bunch of lame characters into yeah. something really amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. You see, Ant-Man is only lame to people that don't really know his powers and think all he does yeah. is shrink. Because yeah. right. he's, he's not, value. It's he looks not, like he's nothing. But yeah. yeah. But it's a hard thing to sell, though. I mean, like, the name, they make fun of it in the movie, right? You're they Ant-Man, do. Right? And the name is lame. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we get that. But... but the movie was great. Yeah. Absolutely. Casting was great. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Plus Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Oh. Best Robbins always finds out. All right, well, my number five um, is actually the Creed Rocky Universe movie. So the Rocky franchise is very important to me. I'm from Philadelphia and and all those types of things, and I I love that franchise. I felt that um, Creed really beat my very high expectations and pulled out a really amazing story, uh, emotional and powerful, and Michael B. Jordan was absolutely fantastic throughout the entire film, and Stallone was on point the entire time. I mean, yeah, he's he's old and he's you know not really healthy anymore, and he really just he played that really well, and he didn't try to be the the rough Rocky character that he used to be. Something funny, Ray? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> the fact that you said he's old and he's not healthy. He plays that well, and, you know, the character. Like, the character is that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stallone's fine. fine. I mean, Stallone's a little old. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's still doing the Expendables movies and stuff. Right, right, so, right. yeah. Okay. Oh, I agree with you, Derek. That was probably, it's my top three. I don't know if it's two or three, but it's definitely my top three Rocky movies. It was, uh, yeah. it was fantastic. The one shot, uh, or one no cut fight scene that they had, the boxing scene oh. uh, was pretty amazing. I mean, it was, uh, it was very technically challenging and, mm-hmm. and they, they executed it very well. And the whole movie was very well done. Oh, there were some shots that were a little weird. And I'm not familiar with that director, but I'm excited to see what else he does after this because there were some really interesting and pretty shots just, in a boxing Rumor movie, is you wouldn't that think that. Marvel wants him for Black Panther. I'm totally okay. With yeah, that. I'd be yeah, good with that. Yeah. That'll be really great. the The director, the director, the director oh. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he was. I mean, the movie was great. Uh, I can see that. I loved. You know, they did the the classic Rocky running montage, but it was a different one. He took a different track in a different way to different music, and I, I like that they were able to keep the spirit of the Rocky franchise, but transform it into something new that they can continue. And Michael B. Jordan wants to do that, so that was really awesome for me. It was more than meets the eye. It was. You said transform. It was. I Roll out. Alright, so that was our number five, so let's move on to number four, Ray. Okay, so number four, I'm going to go with... The Black Widow and Hulk storyline from Avengers Age of Ultron. Nice. Um, I know a lot of people thought this romance was just out of left field. And to me, it made so much sense once they were describing their characters. Those are two characters that have been pushed aside to make way for the bigger hitters, Iron Man, Cap, and Thor. And I feel like once they explain those two versions of those characters' backstories... And you get them talking, you get them flirting, it makes a ton of sense. And it was a nice softness and a slower pace that the movie needed. It That movie was filled to the brim with Easter eggs and setting up Phase 3, and it was overloaded. It wasn't fair for Josh Whedon or any of the characters to be put through so much that I just felt like the movie needed this this softness. And Give it some real humanity that was missing mm-hmm. from the film. Right. And it gives both characters something to fight for. And it gave so. them some development, too. And both mm-hmm. of them have kind of been side players in yeah. the bigger mm-hmm. plots on all the movies. So, you know, any kind of character development is good in my book. Well, you figure, like, 
what is Bruce Banner sticking around for? What is Hawkeye sticking around for? What's Black Widow sticking around for? And this movie answered all three of that. So. Yeah, I guess while well, that's really an amazing kind of relationship between the two of them, I felt like him leaving at the end of the film kind of ruined a lot of that for me. Because I felt like it went from, this is very meaningful, and she's the only one who can really calm him down and take him out of the Hulk, to, all right, peace out, and you know maybe we'll see him again by like Infinity War or something. No, we're going to see him in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. yeah. He's Mark Ruffalo confirmed it. He's supposed to have a cameo in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Very small, but he's supposed okay. to be it. Well, anyway. I, like, I like the idea of it. it's, a, it's a romance, and from the get-go, you're like, this isn't going to work. But to me, that's what love is sometimes. Sometimes you're just, the fate is against you. Yeah. I don't like that aspect of it. Well, I... I can really relate. Everything they were saying sounded like something that has come out of me and, you know, the boyfriend's mouth at times. So it was really special to me. All right, Ian, what is your number four? Mine would be that we are getting a female Ghostbusters team. And I'm very excited for that. <laughs> Ryan has some strong opinions. I, I can see. Slide across the bow. <laughs> I, I, well, I love all the, every single actress who is in it. I've watched them on SNL, you know, their solo careers, whatever. They're hilarious. They they can really play up the comedy aspect, but they can also play up the seriousness of it, too. They can do both versions of it. And I think it's about time that we get a full-on female Ghostbusters team. I like that. I think there needs to be more strong, kind of cool, nerdy female characters out there, and there aren't enough. So it's something that, you know, little girls can look up to as well, because there's not a lot of female characters that can do that that aren't, you know have all these superpowers that aren't, you know, shooting everything or whatever. So these, you know, are really cool, nerdy, you know, girls and little girls who are like that can look up to them. So I I, I appreciate what they're doing, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with it. I think that's a good point. There's so many films where they cast, like, ten different guys, and they cast one woman, and mm-hmm. nobody looks at it differently. Nobody says anything differently. They're like, this will make millions of dollars no matter what. And... I think it's cool that they're doing it backwards. That yeah. Four chicks and, and Chris Hemsworth. And Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> He's the eye candy secretary. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I would hire sense. him to be my secretary. And I would objectify him and <laughs> we would have romps on desks. <laughs> See, I actually don't know the cast all that well. I mean, I know Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. obviously, but I really don't know the, the main actresses at all. Not a big SNL person mm-hmm. these days. So I didn't really have much of an opinion from the casting, but from what I've seen from the photos, the costuming, the tech, that all looks really good. Yeah. So that's promising. Um, on the flip side, we were kind of talking about this before the podcast started, that we were supposed to have a trailer by now. Now keep in mind, if it's dropped in the next week, we're recording this a week ahead of time because of the holidays. So if it happens to drop between now and then, you know, right. whatever. But we didn't get that yet, and it's because the visual effects weren't done. That makes me a little bit nervous. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't come out till August, so they yeah. still have a lot of time to, mm-hmm. you know, do stuff with it. True, true. Ryan, Ryan. want to add anything to that? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm going to try and keep it short because we, we could do a whole podcast on Ghostbusters franchise and, and the new movie. Will. And we probably will at some point. Um, I think that the four women thing is kind of a gimmick and it's not me being a sexist or anything like that. I mean, the fact that Rachel's so excited to objectify a male <laughs> is, is testament to the fact that it's more of a gimmick than anything else. And, uh, I mean, it, it could have been just as effective with three women and one man. I, th- I just think it should be the best person for the job. And if the best people for the job are four women, that's great. And maybe the movie will be great. I, I'm, I have liked some of the things I've seen for it and I have not liked some of the things I've seen for it, but, um, 
you know, I don't, I think that right out of the bat when they said it's not going to be in the same universe, it's just going to be a complete reboot. That was strike one for me as a fan. And then, um, the, the fact that it had to be four females and it couldn't just be like a mixed gender team, a team of whoever needed to fill the shoes that, that bothered me some too. So, um, I'm hoping it's good. Um, I don't, I'm trying not to be biased because I'm a huge fan of the originals. Um, but you know, we'll see, I guess we got a lot of time before that comes out and hopefully, uh, the trailer drops and makes me more excited than I am now, but I, I'll go see it, you know, no matter what, it's got Ghostbusters attached to it. So what's your number four? What's my number four? Dang, you got me so excited about that. <laughs> I didn't even think. Okay. Um, my number four is the first, uh, I think it was dropped at San Diego Comic-Con, the trailer for Batman v Superman, the non-Doomsday trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I think that which one was that? Now I don't remember. <laughs> it was one, the one where they still made it look. Yeah. yeah oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, the, I think that I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But uh, I think that uh, you, you got a better idea of what a trailer's supposed to be with the first with the first trailer. The second trailer I think kind of spoiled the beginning, the middle, the end, <laughs> and Wonder Woman's, you know, how she comes into the whole thing. I think that all the big plot points were spoiled. Sure you didn't see Flash, you didn't see any of the other Justice Leaguers and there's some well, fill in stuff. But... Yeah, but I, I mean it's so... supposed to have a bigger part than a cameo. This is bigger than Flash and Cyborg. Cyborg. Yeah. yeah, okay. So Jason Momoa's is a glorified cameo, but, mm-hmm. but I mean in any case you didn't see any of that, but now you've had all the stuff spoiled the first one you just were like wow this is going to be really cool we could see batman v superman fight who's going to be the real bad guy because everybody kind of knew that it wasn't going to be superman that was the bad guy or batman that wasn't going to be the bad guy he always knew there was going to be another one this third trailer with uh michelangelo on steroids kind of gray michelangelo (laughs) on steroids Kind of, you That's know, just lost some of the magic. Form, right? I know, he transforms, blah, blah, he blah. Super Saiyan eventually. Right, eventually. Yeah, his power level will be over 9,000. But yeah, I, I like that first trailer better. I think that was the high point of the DC Cinematic Universe since they didn't actually release anything this year other than trailers. <laughs> well, I don't think it's been spoiled because we don't know why Wonder Woman's there. We just know that she's there. We don't know what her purpose well, is. Well, we know how she's introduced in the, in, well, to the other two. It's not, like, well, I don't think that's necessarily because spoiled, though. We yeah. know that these are the main players. They're on every poster, the three they of them together, the Holy Trinity. Trinity. Yeah, but we yeah. know that she's introduced with a joke right off the bat. I mean, it's, you know, it, I, I don't... That's not going to be her character's introduction. It might be her in her armor's introduction. Because well, we see her in a... Well, yeah, we see her in another yeah. scene in one of the trailers. Yeah, yeah so I get gonna that. We're going to see her, Deanna. We're going to talk to her before that scene. Yeah, that might be the first time we see her in armor. Yeah. Right. But that's our introduction, but, introduction to the Wonder Woman character is what okay. I'm getting Everyone's at. Everyone's complaining that the movie is so dark and DC is so dark and brooding, but they've got They said that. There. They said they're not, there's not going to be humor in it like Marvel. They've, not they, like Marvel, but they've got some light. There is some. I thought you, brother. Well, I mean, come on. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's funnier in the context of the movie, but it just seemed out of place great. and kind of silly. Well, and then Lex has a few little one-liners in there that look... Mm-hmm. Like, Lex will be the comedic relief. I agree. Which is going to be really weird. So nothing new. Nothing so, new. Well, yeah. Except from the cartoon. Because that <laughs> Lex Luthor is amazing. He was. Yeah. And, and Smallville. I, I did really like yeah. Rosenbaum's uh, Lex and Smallville. But, what are your guys' impressions of Wonder Woman from what you've seen so far? I'm that she looks impressed. amazing. Yeah. She looks I think she looks good. I mean, fantastic. I always felt it's easy to hit uh, Superman and Batman, no problem. But Wonder Woman's hit and miss. You can't always get that right. But I like how she looks. Yeah, I yeah. like how she looks, and I like the Trinity shot. I just wish that Batman didn't have a grenade launcher in his hands when the when that shot happens. Yeah. You know, I wish it was like a batarang or something like Technically that. Technically, doesn't but use it's, guns. It's I not guess. a grenade 
launcher. It is a grenade launcher. It's they have the prop weapon. labeled as the as a grenade launcher when they had it's the props a, on, on location at one of the conventions. It's a battering launcher. It's a battering. They had all the props laid out at a convention, it is, and it, it was labeled use. as a grenade launcher. Okay, maybe it's sonic grenades then. Like, maybe I don't know. I'm telling you, they had it on display. Use live <laughs> as a prop guy, I pay attention to these things, and he so it was labeled a grenade launcher. Oh, oh, moving right along. Mine is Evolve, uh, a game. Uh, it's made from the same people who do Left 4 Dead. Oh. It's a four versus one, strictly online. It's about four hunters that try to track down this beast. And it's all about trying to get to him before he levels up and evolves to a higher stage where it's a lot easier to kill him. And what I like about it, it's a cat and mouse game. Any moment you could turn the tables, the hunter becomes the hunted. Mm. So, so it's like the versus mode of Left 4 Dead, basically. Yeah, more specific, it's about the tank encounters in Left 4 Dead. Gotcha. That's cool. I always thought it was most fun on Left 4 Dead when you when you spawned as a tank. It didn't happen very often, so I haven't tried that game. But I think that it would probably I probably enjoy. I wouldn't it. say it's the best game of the year, but it surprised me a lot. And I, it was unique to me. Well, that'd be fun. I've before. heard really good things about it. I've, I've wanted to check it out. One thing that held it back is it didn't have a lot of uh, else. There's only made four maps, and that's it. Mm. Not many gameplay modes, but you know if they kept at it, it could become a really nice game. I like the mechanics in it. Right. Got lots of fun. Cool. All right, well, that one, I guess, is short and sweet since none of us have played that game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> so I guess, I guess we're on to my number four. Now, my, my list has changed today uh, because of some things that have, have gone on. So this was higher on the list earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and knock this down to number four. And this was the announcement of a new Star Trek TV series. This was a really big moment for me. Uh, I'm a Trekkie. You all know that. I'm the Star Trek dude. It's, it's a big deal for me. And there hasn't been a Star Trek show since 2005 when Enterprise went off the air. Yes, we've had the J.J. Abrams movies, but I'm a big believer that Star Trek belongs on TV in more of a serialized format, whereas Star Wars is like the big budget film franchise, in my opinion. Um, and that's really exciting. I'm, I'm very, very excited about that, and I was looking forward to it. Um, and today, which is a week ago, as you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> CBS and Paramount decided to sue Axanar, which is the big fan fan production. That's, it's just disappointing, and I don't know all the details yet. They might have been completely justified. They might not. I don't know. But as of today, the Trek community is very uh, splintered about this particular issue, so it's kind of muddied the waters a bit. And Well, I'm siding with Axanar. Stay strong, Axanar. <laughs> I hope <laughs> they stick to their guns and make it anyways. What's the hashtag? I, I, I stand with Axanar? Mm-hmm. I, think. I hope they just say, okay, we're going to make it for like our own private use, and, and they just keep it in a safe and accidentally gets leaked to the internet. That would be the best. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is an option. I know that, you know, for those of you who don't know, Axanar has raised about a million dollars through uh, three different crowdfunding campaigns between Indiegogo and Kickstarter. And, you know, a lot of people are expecting perks. They're expecting DVDs and Blu-rays and, and props and, and digital downloads and stuff like that. And people are starting to freak out already. And we, we don't even really know what's happening. We don't know if CBS is serious about this. We don't know if they're justified. We don't know where Axanar really stands or anything. So... It's really shattered the community t- as the news broke today. People yeah, are really tangled wet. They can't just undo it. Mm-hmm. They've already started the ball rolling. So I don't know what their game plan is. It could be that CBS is worried that their new show is coming out may be in that subject area that Enterprise post Enterprise pre original series. I don't think it's likely, but that could be it. My thought is that um, CBS and Paramount want Star Trek to go in a different direction, the more of the the JJ verse direction. Uh, whereas Axanar is the prime universe, and for Star Trekkies, for Trekkies, we know what that means. But for the average person who's just watching the movies, they might not care about that alternate reality stuff, and they might not want, CBS may not want 
people to think about the old franchises really moving forward. And so that was my thought. It's probably the biggest and most famous fan film out there. Yeah. So I can understand CBS's view. It's going to detract attention from what they have planned. So it's a tough situation. So I kind of dropped that on my list because it's such an unknown at this point about what will happen. So, all right. So that was my number four. Let's move on to number three, Ray. Okay. So I've got a sad moment. Um, oh. Bing Bong sacrifices himself to save <sighs> Riley and Joy. Who? Bing, Bing Bong. Bong. Inside Bing Out. Bong. Oh, I never saw it. Pixar's greatest Spoiler film. alert. You mean Finding Nemo? No. Finding Nemo is like Toy Story. Finding Nemo doesn't even break the top five. Well, I like it. <laughs> Oh, right, right, I'll just keep swimming. Ray and whatever. I have a little disagreement about the number one, but like Finding Nemo, come on, man, it that's not even fish, my top it's underwater. five. I mean, I don't even know if I've seen five Pixar films, and I don't. I'm going to be different five. than it's going to be my top five. <laughs> All right, anyway. Anyway, so Inside Out, fantastic film. It tugs on every heartstring. It embodies every emotion, not just the ones that are. Um, humanized in this or characterized I should say and Bing Bong is Riley's imaginary friend who has moved from her um, long term memory to kind of the forgotten memories they're not completely gone well he and Joy end up in the pit of like never ever ever remembering things mm-hmm. again i don't remember what they called it but it's where the memories go to fade away yeah it's where everything you lose and they can't get out of there and bing bong realizes he can get joy out and that means she'll feel happiness again but he has to sacrifice himself so um it is an intense inc- moment incredibly sad everybody in the theater teared up including the two people I was with, and it just happened to be a very, it, it was the definition of a screen hero in my opinion. No, that's a really good one. It's a really good one. I, 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 try, I didn't really stick with any sad moments, but that's a really, really good one. Well, let me just bring it down here. I'll talk about all the romance and sorrow of the year. <laughs> I had one sad one on my list too, but I took it out because of spoilers of... It's the end of 2000. Well, if people, you know what I'm talking about. If people listen to the last episode of Grid Talk where we talked Star Wars The Force Awakens, there were spoilers everywhere. Not if you're true. listening to this podcast, it's probably safe to say that there will be some spoilers. We've spoiled everything we've talked about so far. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Ian. Ian, number three. <laughs> number three uh, is the mid-season finale of Once Upon a Time This for season five for me. Uh, you had in this season, uh, Emma went dark. She went all evil and started killing people. Uh, yeah, it was very... Was that show finally watchable? Yeah. Well, it's always been watchable. <laughs> I got him to say it. No, I've been a fan since season one, episode one, so... Yeah. Okay. It's a good place to start. It, yeah, it is. Uh, but I just, I loved it. And then what they did to that season with progression of how Emma went dark and what she did to become even more dark throughout the season through what she did with Camelot and the people there. Uh, and eventually what she did to Hook, um, cause spoiler alert, she kills Captain Hook and she makes him, uh, become a dark one as well and sacrifice, uh, or to keep the darkness from spreading. He then in turn sacrifices himself again 
and they end up where the second half of the season will be in the underworld. So they're inducing Hades, they're inducing uh, Hercules and Meg and all these great Greek mythical creatures along with a lot of past characters who have died on the show. So a lot of people that the evil queen has killed will come back to haunt her. Uh, Cruella de Vil, uh, a bunch of villains. So a lot of puppies. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> everything. So I think that character progression for Emma and every other character on that show was just fantastic. And it was, I think, uh, the darkest uh, season so far. So I can't wait to what they do with the second half of that. Awesome. Ryan, number three. Number three, uh, I'm going to say the uh, party scene from Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> I thought that was... Um... Uh, just a, if you just take that in its own little bubble, it's it's a, it pretty much sets up the entire movie. Um, you, you get the guys partying and having a good time, taking a load off, um, and seeing everybody try and pick up Thor's hammer was was really entertaining. Uh, I still maintain that Captain America could have picked it up, but he didn't because he knew that, knew what would happen if he did. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole other discussion. It's a great moment when it does move, though. It does you move. See Thor's face, and you also like, see him stop trying to lift it very quickly after it moves. So I, I don't know. It's, Either way you look at it, it's still a fantastic, yeah, absolutely. Moment, so. And then you see that the the first time that they decide they need to take a break, what happens? Ultron breaks in there, talking about how humanity needs to be destroyed, and you know all these things. Uh, and so it shows that they, they can't even take that time to enjoy themselves. That because scene, that scene was such a great springboard for so many things. That and also introducing the vision that he's, mm-hmm. he can lift the hammer too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. set that whole thing up. Yeah, and it, when, when they showed that in the trailers, I thought for sure that they were setting up Captain America to defeat Ultron with, 